0: Um, diversity and multi- being multi- a multicultural community has been a huge value for our church right from the beginning. We, we vision-casted praying that our community would look like Starbucks off of State College in Chapman. And if you guys were with us in the early months, you know, we, that was our prayer. That it would be like two pregnant women, three homeless guys, you know, like a few businessmen gathering together for $8 coffee. And that's what my prayer was for our community, that we would gather around the gospel, people from all these different ethnicities and different backgrounds. But when I started studying Philippians chapter 2, there's this new vision that started to emerge in the way that Jesus does it that is more than, again, a picture, is more than even just a, a common space where different people come together. I would say that Jesus does something really profound. He Embodies diversity. He takes another um another species, right? And he kind of brings it into himself. So in the next slide, we're gonna read this passage together. I'm gonna read this passage to you guys, and it's from Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look at his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Next slide. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We're going to spend most of our time from verse 6 to 8, and also we'll flip back to 3 to 5. But when I, when I look at our Savior, I see him embodying diversity and multiculturalism in a completely different way. And the first and most bold thing he does is that he incarnates and takes on the nature of mankind. He himself is God. He's fully God. But then he becomes man, and he takes on 100% of our nature as well. So Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And when I think about diversity, that's maybe the most profound concept. That it's not just something we experience externally, but diversity in the apex, in the highest form, is actually taking on another culture and, and bringing it into ourselves. And it's uncomfortable. You know, Jesus does something extremely uncomfortable. He lets go of his godness. And he And he suffers for the first time. He gets hungry for the first time. He gets splinters and blisters for the first time. And and I just imagine the humility that it takes to not come to earth as God. That would have been so easy for him. But he takes on our nature. He feels our pain. He empathizes with our weaknesses. And I think that when we look at what diversity could be, beyond a snapshot of four ethnicities talking together over coffee, I think it's this rich experience of adding onto our culture another culture, adding onto our story a second story. And that's what Jesus does. He crosses culture in the most profound ways, that his very nature is changed, right? We can can step across culture and maybe become more Japanese or more Latino, but Jesus splices. He goes from one species to another. He jumps categories. And diversity, in my mind, multiculturalism takes a totally different, it's in a totally different league, the way Jesus does it. And he doesn't come as an observer. He doesn't come as God looking at us and interacting with us. He becomes man. I just think it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of uncomfortableness, right? When you hang out with people who get you, who might be from your same ethnicity or social economic background or, or same school, um, there's a lot of unspokens that you just get to have as your foundation and progress forward. And you just, there's a lot of comfortableness in that. But when you meet someone who's different from you, it can be frustrating. You can miss each other. You can like, ha- you have to build some of these common things that you didn't have to build with people that, that you are comfortable with. And Jesus does that, and he exemplifies that, and he invites us, I believe, into that as well. The second thing I see in Jesus is that he comes not as the power dynamic in which Jesus comes and becomes human. He doesn't come as a ruler. He doesn't come as a conqueror. He doesn't come as a king. He comes as a servant. And I think in order to really do what Jesus does, to adopt another culture and value, we have to come under that culture and, and learn from it. You know, for Nina and I, maybe I, I I'm Chinese, my wife is Korean, and I would say that I've become more Korean. That there's parts of, of being Korean that I really not only understand and started to value, but I've started to adopt. Like, there's this sense of family-ness in the Korean culture, where when, when you meet someone, you immediately start calling them your brother or your sister or your younger brother or your, your younger sister. And, and I love that. You know, I I love that sense of family. And then there's an honor system as well, where if someone's older than you, you do things in your language and in your mannerism to give them honor. And there's parts of that that I'm like, wow, I want that as a part of my family. I told you that in our neighborhood, this Mexican grandma has adopted me and Nina. And she was so sad to see us move away. And she said, anytime you're in the neighborhood, just come inside my house. I will cook for you. I'll give you food, you know, and... And I think that's how I feel. Every time I walk into her home, like every generation is always there hanging out, doing like life together. And I love that. And when we come in, it, we don't feel like strangers. That a part of the Latino culture is that once you're in their home, you're family as well. And they, and you just kind of become part of family. And I want that. And, and there's a part of that that me and Nina have taken in to our family. And we've said, Hey, when you walk in through these doors, our hope is that you feel like family with us. You're not guests. Go straight to the fridge if you're hungry, you know, like wash your clothes in our, in our washing machine. And I think a part of that is because not only have we observed a different culture, but we've wanted to adopt it into our life. Um, and I think Tom Virtue, he's one of my mentors. He's a large, he was like a pretty high leader in crew. And then he joined EPIC. And he said, when I first started joining Epic, this is a campus ministry, the largest nonprofit uh, in the world that Jonathan and I get the privilege of staffing and others of you here. And uh, he said, you know, the way that crew leadership looks at Epic and Destino, it's like a strategic way in order for the whole campus to be reached, right? So we launched these ethnic movements. And for Tom, Tom Virtue, when he started with Epic, he said, that's what I believed in. I wanted to help reach every student by building up this epic movement. But as he went into this Asian American culture, as he came as a learner, he said, man, like, it's not primarily been a strategic move. Now, like 10 years later, it's primarily been the richest experience I've had as a human. This adopting another culture, this coming under and learning from And when I think about how Jesus enters into the world, he comes as a learner. He comes as a baby. And when I see my friends have have kids, I'm like astonished by how little they know and how little I knew. I thought I, I came to the earth like walking and being able to feed myself. Like you have to learn how to sleep. You know, you're taught how to poo. You're taught how to eat. I forgot all of these things until I watched these wonderful moms in our community patiently teach their kids these things. And Jesus comes as a learner. He doesn't come at 30. He comes at zero and one month and two, and he learns how to eat, and he learns the human experience of walking and learning how to speak and learning how to interact with people. And I, I think that you don't get to enter into this kind of diversity until you place yourself as a servant, right? Uh, churches and corporations and educational uh, institutions, and when they think about diversity, they're like, we're going to hire staff that are of different ethnicities. But oftentimes, the ring of power, the highest tier of power is still one ethnic group. And And that ethnic group isn't able to actually become more diverse because everyone under them is, is bending towards the preferences and the culture of this, of the power, of the power holders. So how do you become diverse and embody a different culture? You come under a culture and you learn from it. And that's what I see our Lord Jesus doing. He not only takes on the human nature, and and jumps culture in the most profound and extreme ways, but he enters in as a learner and as a servant. He does the command of valuing others above ourselves, right? You do that through coming humbly as a servant and learning. That's how you value another above yourself. That's the exhortation a few verses prior. And not only does he humble himself and take on the store, um, the position of a servant, but he takes on our story and he's, and he sacrifices for our story. That Jesus takes on the form of a man, comes as a servant, but then enters into our cause. That we have this human story of, of being created by God and being in perfect relationship with him and each other. And then we fall, we sin against him, and we're plagued by sin throughout the history of of mankind. And God redeems us in all these different ways. And Jesus, when he becomes human, he takes on the human story. And he says, I'm going to fight for your cause. I'm going to come into Your nature and fight for your cause. And he, in the greatest act of service, in the greatest act of sacrifice, he dies on the cross for our story. And he says, I'm gonna, because of my death, I'm gonna be the second Adam, right? There was the first Adam who represented us, um, in sin and in rebellion against God. And we all suffer the consequences of that. But Jesus comes into our story as the second Adam. And he gives his life for us. And he lives righteously for us. And we, and he, in, in, in inserting himself in this part of our story, we live a totally, the human narrative shifts because of his sacrifice. Um, let me share with you a few examples of what this looks like, maybe for us in our context, in our history, and hopefully also in what, what, what renew could look like. So in the next slide is, um, Martin Luther in one of his marches. And every man and woman in that picture is extremely courageous. Um, and they, they're fighting this, this cause against discrimination and against injustice. But what I notice is, um, the white men and, and maybe this white lady standing in, in this picture. And I, I think about diversity, and I feel like this is maybe the most powerful um, vision of diversity. That these men who are of another ethnic group um, would step in and say, I'm going to, this is what diversity means to me. It's like they would say, I'm going to enter into another story, enter into another narrative, and I'm going to. I'm going to elevate this other culture and fight their storyline with them. I'm going to elevate the kingdom culture, that our first allegiance isn't to our ethnicity, it isn't to our economic uh, status, it isn't to our alma mater, right? It's to this kingdom value. And so these men, I, I just assume, I'm just going to tell their story as if I know them, but they move from one story to another because this other story has kingdom ramifications and values in which they have more allegiance to than their own storyline. And so they enter in and they say, I'm going to stand with these men for this other story and serve them and to place myself under their cause. And they are my heroes as well. You know, for me, uh, I remember going to Crew 15 and hearing about Charleston and the shooting, um, this guy walks into a black church and just shoots all these people. And, and I felt a little detached from that story. And maybe it is the ethnic aspect of it and how that was, like, kind of uh, highlighted. And this woman comes up, and she's a relative of someone who, who was shot and killed. And she talks about grief, and she talks about racism, and she talks about forgiveness. And it was just heart-wrenching. And for the first time, I was able to step into her story and say, man, like, I, I kind of understand. Like, I can Im- imagine being the pastor of this church. I can imagine losing brothers and sisters. I can imagine the grief of feeling like it doesn't, it doesn't mean as much because I'm black. And I remember just sitting in the chair, like, sobbing. And having tears like run from my hand down my elbow and my elbow was on my knee, down my knee, onto my foot and making this puddle on the ground. I think I dehydrated a little bit by how much I cried. And I think, I feel like you're didn't, you, you might not have entered into another story unless you emote with them. That, that means you're a part of their story. You can understand it and, and academically and be on the outside and say, oh, I kind of get what they're going through. But to embody it, to take it on, to say, hey, this is my cause and my story and my culture as well, they, there will be emotions attached. And I think that it was when I was able to cry with her that I was able to enter in as well. Um, I think about my parents, um, coming to the U.S., and I feel like if you, if you grew up with immigrant parents, there's a part of you that might feel like a little ashamed growing up. Like other, other parents can speak English well and, and, or dress differently, and I got a bowl cut, you know, and like, and I, my mom didn't know what fashion was when I was in elementary school. And, and I think growing up, there was a sense of like disconnect and, Not under, like, kind of being angry a little bit and wishing I could communicate better with them. But as I got older, I started really appreciating the immigrant story. I started putting myself in my parents' shoes and saying, man, what would it be like if I got dropped off in Russia or, or Brazil or, um, Saudi Arabia with $20,000 and I don't know the language, but I have to make it and start a family. Like, what does that even look like? And how, like these people who travel across land and sea and, and learn a different language are, are these, I mean, it filters out the high majority of people. Most people aren't going to do that. And the people who actually get here, you get a, a, a specific breed of courage and intelligence and boldness and innovation. And I think that's what's made America amazing. Everyone who got here except for Native Americans came with that kind of courage, with that kind of heroism. And now when I look at my parents, um, there's there's a story that I, I love and that I get to be a part of. Um, you know, last example, I think about um, the gay community. And I don't speak about this often because I'm still listening. And I'm still trying to hear their story. I'm still trying to place myself into it. And so I've been on um, websites, um, and, and I've just been kind of reading the most important issues to them. And there's so much pain associated with this community, and there's so much bullying and harassment and feeling outed by families and churches and communities. And I'm asking, like, do I care about their stories? Am I willing to enter in and to walk and journey and say, can this be my story as well? And I have, um, there's people at our church, and there's many people that I'm friends with who are gay, and, and one of them, he, he wants to live a celibate life. And I think that's such an easy thing to throw at someone, like, why don't you just be celibate? And maybe I, I could be accused of doing that as well, but then I sat with him and we're just talking and I'm just listening and, and trying to enter in into what it means to spend a lifetime by yourself to see like how that is probably the greatest sacrifice anyone can make you know to to just say I'm going to be alone and to watch people form families and your friends get married and have kids and and still be in an apartment and, and by yourself and then to see people retire and have someone to spend the rest of their life with. And I'm not saying any of my theology has shifted, but the way I relate, the way I can enter in, the way I can cry with someone and struggle with someone and the way that I rethink about our community. Like if we're asking someone to make that kind of sacrifice, how do, how are we going to be their family in a totally different way that Isn't just like church on Sundays, but like, will you be, will Mike, what, can I share my kids with you? Can I have you over for dinner? Can I be family to you in a way that's totally different? And, and will I, am I willing to, to just step into your shoes so that I'm not just throwing out these answers that are so, like, it costs me nothing, but it's costing them so much. And and I say it like like it's costing me nothing. And so I just feel like Jesus does it right. And he does it in these really profound ways where he embodies and he serves and listens and learns and then he sacrifices and enters into another story and promotes another cause. And I pray in our community, God's blessed us with diversity. I, I think I would have bet against us Like, I wanted it, but the probability of us becoming a diverse community is so small. And so many of you have pioneered it for us. You've stepped into a community where you are the minority culture, and you said, I'm going to still be here and be uncomfortable, and I'm so thankful for you. And I know it can still be hard. But I pray for a community that is willing to not just take photos together um, and be put on brochures, but really we can pull into each other's stories. We can listen and learn and, and, and elevate the value of each other and the interests and the storyline of each other above ourselves. And I think that Jesus, yes, he sacrifices a lot to be a person, a, a man, a, a human, but I feel like there was a richness that he wanted from that as well. And he took it on, not just for 33 years, but he took on our nature for the rest of eternity. There must have been something valuable to him to do that, something that caused worship and more glory for him to do that. And I I hope that as a community, we would give that gift to each other, to be friends, to love, to be uncomfortable, and to say someone who's the most different from me might have the most richness to offer me, and that we would start drawing each other's differences and, and start to own it and say, that's mine too, and your fight is mine, and your story is mine. And I think that's one of the richest experiences we can have. You know, as I uh, go from one community to the, uh, another, doing like retreats and guest speaking, I feel like a diverse community actually has an amazing culture, similar culture to other diverse communities that has been so attractive to me. Um, and I, I don't even know if I've been able to form the words for it yet, but there's like an openness. There's an inclusion. There's, um, there's listening. There's, yeah, it's, it's different. And my prayer is that Renew would continue to like foster and be that for, for each other. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you and, um, we, we ask that you make us, continue to make us a diverse community, not only in ethnicity and, and culture, but in every category. Um, and I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just feel okay being friends and, and becoming comfortable, that that's really good and, and maybe uh, five steps from where we already are. But I pray that there would be this desire to hear stories and to bring cultures into our own and to fight causes that represent your kingdom that might not be um, our own causes. Um, I pray, Lord, that the culture of renew would be one of, of service, that the culture of renew would be one of sacrifice, that the culture of renew would be one of, of valuing others above our own. And um, yeah, that our culture would be, um, would be emulating our Savior who does this amazing act of, of walking across and serving and sacrificing. As we take communion today during this time of worship, Let's remember the blood that was spilt for us to forgive our sins, to enter into our story, the body that was broken for us. And let's also think about how Jesus took on blood and body and took on our story. And I pray that in our context and in the context that you have outside of this community, you would be willing to do that for for others um, as well. Amen.